Gracious God, we ask that you would speak to us today, that you would encourage us, that you would challenge us, that you would be with us. Lord, help us see ourselves and our world differently. And as we do, help us encounter you. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. The story goes that two strangers enter into town needing help. But alas, door after door, they are rebuffed until everyone in the town has closed their doors and turned their backs on these strangers. Everyone, that is, except for an elderly peasant couple who take them in and share what little they can. Well, it turns out uh, that these two strangers were none other than Zeus and Hermes. And after the big reveal, Zeus blesses and rewards that couple handsomely and destroys everyone else in the town. Uh, now, what's interesting about this story is different versions of this story are all throughout history and the world. Uh, according to the book, The Power of Strangers, uh, there are a lot more stories like this. The details change, but the story remains relatively the same. There's a, a European folktale from the Middle Ages that begins, two guys walk into a bar... Nope, that's a different story. Two guys walk into a village, uh, they're dressed like beggars, and they're going door to door to make sure people are being nice to strangers. It's Jesus and it's St. Peter. Jesus and Peter arrive at the house of an old peasant woman. They beg for some bread. She gives them some crumbs. But he's Jesus. So he gives her another chance. He miraculously causes the cake in her oven to grow super large thus giving her more to share, and she stiffs them again. At this point, Jesus and Peter decide they've had enough, and they turn her into an owl. Uh, in the Baltic version, the miser is punished by being forced to raise two snakes as foster children. In the German version, the woman is turned into a cuckoo. Uh, there's a Moroccan-Spanish-Russian version of this story featuring Muhammad in the beggar role. And instead of giving him a sheep, they boil a cat for him. Muhammad revives the cat and turns the man into an owl. There's a lot of birds in these stories. It's kind of weird. Uh, there's a Japanese version where the stranger comes to the first vi village and asks for water. The water's a long way off, but a woman goes the distance, brings the water back, and so the stranger has water. He then takes his staff, strikes the ground, and a stream of water springs forth right there. In the next town, where the water is close this time, the villager denies the stranger, and the stranger again hits the ground, and this time all the water dries up. In Greek literature, there are sayings, all wanderers and beggars come from Zeus. And Plato concludes, he who has a spark of caution in him will do his best to pass through life without sinning against the stranger. How strange that throughout the centuries, throughout different countries, throughout different cultures, and even throughout different religions, there are story after story after story about the virtue of welcoming in the stranger, even if they're unknown, even if it could be a burden, even if it might be dangerous. 
Of course, the question comes up, why? why? Why would we ever invite a stranger in? Why would one show hospitality to a stranger? I mean, there's a fair chance that in, in inviting someone in, we are inviting in calamity. So, so why would we practice this virtue, even if it is so universal? Or more practically and personally, why would a host invite in a stranger? And of course, we've been talking through some of these reasons. One is that you know what it's like to be the stranger. We've all felt at times like the other, and so, well, since I know what it's like, maybe I could be different to the stranger. Of course, there's something also to be said for just charity, empathy. And let's not forget that we may have some responsibility here. I mean, if someone shows up on your doorstep in need, someone's starving, and you don't invite them in, you aren't 100% responsible for sure, but you also don't have zero responsibility, right? But then there's also the fact that we invite them in because God has invited us in. This is the big one we've been talking about for a couple weeks now. But maybe there's another reason as well. Because maybe we are to reach out to strangers in part because it's dangerous when we don't. Maybe it's precisely by transforming strangers into guests, by showing them kindness and generosity, by joining them to us, making a new small we. Maybe it's in doing these things that actually start to take away their threat and our fear. In sharing a bit of ourselves with them, we become a little bit more human to them and thus more relatable. And in the process, we bring them into not just relationship, but into community. Of course, at the end of the day, ultimately, to welcome in the stranger is an act of faith. By this, we change strangers into friends. By this, we reshape our own view of the world. By this, we show that there still is some good out there. By this, we are transformed. And while we think about that, let me tell you a little bit more about where we're going. Today, we're actually starting a new series and yet sticking with the same theme. We're still talking about strangers. We're still looking at how our treatment of strangers becomes a barometer for our own beliefs. We're still looking at how being a stranger gives us a lens through which we can see ourselves, our world, and, and maybe even God more clearly. And we're still looking at how we've been called to love even the stranger because we've been the stranger. But now in this new series, we're starting to turn our attention and change the conversation as we look not so much at the what, but at the how. How do we reach out to the stranger? Because, of course, this isn't simply about blindly running up to every stranger we meet and giving them a big hug. That would be awkward, dangerous, damaging, and generally just terrible. Don't do that. But at the same time, how can we learn to do more than nothing, which I think is kind of where most of us are at? How do we start to welcome the stranger a little better? 
And so if you would, I would invite you to turn in your Bibles to the book of Genesis, chapter 17, verse 7. Uh, while you're turning there, I will let you know that we are picking up this story in the middle of the story of Abraham. He has moved from Ur to Haran to Canaan, and thus he has become a stranger once again. He has been found by God, he has been blessed by God, and God has made a covenant with Abraham. And as our passage picks up, Abraham is, is starting to get older, and, and God shows up again to reiterate the covenant, and our passage will pick up in the midst of that. And so, let's read as God continues to speak to Abraham, and hopefully to us as well. Genesis chapter 17, verse 7. I will establish my covenant as an everlasting covenant between me and you and your descendants after you for the generations to come to be your God and the God of your descendants after you. The whole land of Canaan, where you now reside as a foreigner, I will give as an everlasting possession to you and your descendants after you, and I will be their God. And God said to Abraham, as for you, you must keep my covenant, you and your descendants after you, for the generations to come. This is my covenant with you and your descendants after you, the covenant you are to keep. Every male among you shall be circumcised. You are to undergo circumcision, and it will be the sign of the covenant between me and you. For the generations to come, every male among you who is eight days old must be circumcised, including those born in your household or bought with money from a foreigner. Those who are not your offspring, whether born in your household or brought with your money, they must be circumcised. My covenant in your flesh is to be an everlasting covenant. Any uncircumcised male who has been, not been circumcised in the flesh will be cut off from his people. He has broken my covenant. God also said to Abraham, as for Sarai, your wife, you are no longer to call her Sarai. Her name will be Sarah. I will bless her and will surely give you a son by her. I will bless her so that she will be the mother of nations. Kings of peoples will come from her. Abraham fell face down. He laughed and said to himself, Will a son be born to a man a hundred years old? Will Sarah bear a child at the age of ninety? And Abraham said to God, If only Ishmael might live under your blessing. Then God said, Yes, but your wife Sarah will bear you a son. And you will call him Isaac. I will establish my covenant with him as an everlasting covenant for his descendants after him. And as for Ishmael, I have heard you. I will surely bless him. I will make him fruitful and will greatly increase his numbers. He will be the father of 12 rulers and I will make him into a great nation. But my covenant I will establish with Isaac, whom Sarah will bear to you by this time next year. When he had finished speaking with Abraham, God went up from him. On that very day, Abraham took his son Ishmael and all those born in his household uh, or bought with his money every male in his household and circumcised them as God told them. Abraham was 99 years old when he was circumcised and his son Ishmael was 13. Abraham and his son Ishmael were both circumcised on that very day and every male in Abraham's household, including those born in his household or bought from a foreigner, was circumcised with him. The Lord appeared to Abraham near the great trees of Mamre while he was sitting at the entrance to his tent in the heat of the day. Abraham looked up and saw three men standing nearby. When he saw them, he hurried from the entrance of his tent to meet them and bowed low to the ground. 
He said, if I have found favor in your eyes, my Lord, do not pass your servant by. Let a little water be brought, and then you may all wash your feet and rest under this tree. Let me get you something to eat so you can be refreshed, and then go on your way now that you have come to your servant. Very well, they answered, do as you say. So Abraham hurried into the tent to Sarah. Quick, he said, get three seahs of the finest flour and knead it and bake some bread. Then he ran to the herd and selected a choice tender calf and gave it to a servant who hurried to prepare it. He then brought some curds and milk and the calf and had, that had been prepared and set these before them. While they ate, he stood near them under a tree. Amen. Okay, first, if you were here last week, you should hear an echo of the passage we talked about last week. Remember, last week, we read the passage right after this one, because for some reason in this series, I'm going completely out of order. Um, but therefore, these same strangers are the ones that are welcomed today by Abraham and next, last week, by Lot. In both of these passages, strangers arrive and strangers are welcomed. And it's probably helpful for us to look at how. And so I want us to see how Abraham welcomes these strangers in. I want us to see how he shows them hospitality. And as we do, it's even worth the, noting the connection between the ideas of strangers and hospitality. In the Greek, one word for stranger is xenos, which helps us figure out where we get the words xenophobic or xenophilic. We talked about that last week. So that's xenos. Interestingly, xenia is the Greek word for hospitality. You change a couple letters at the end, it goes from stranger to hospitality, as if those two things are connected, innately bound together. As if there's something about hospitality by which we'd make the stranger into something else. Maybe a guest or even a friend. So let's look at how Abraham shows these strangers hospitality. As we look at how he hurries towards them, how he honors them, and ultimately how he helps them. Hurry, honor, helps. Those are your three. Before we get to all that, towards the end of the passage, it is worth noting something important that was revealed at the beginning of the passage. As God tells Abraham all of the blessings he will bestow upon Abraham, God also tells him that his descendants will live in the land that Abraham now lives as a foreigner. I am giving the land to them, this land that you live in as a foreigner, as a stranger. In other words, here again, we see someone in the Bible, in this case, Abraham, living as a stranger. Time and time and time again, all throughout the Scriptures, we find almost everyone at one point or another being a stranger. And I'm left wondering, is that important? What does it do in a person to feel like a stranger? And I wonder, how might that draw a person deeper into community and closer to God? Anyway, given that we know that Abraham knows what it's like to be a stranger, we are not then surprised to find Abraham welcoming in 
these strangers. And so the first thing that it's worth noting is simply Abraham's hurry. And more particularly, his hurry towards these strangers. It's insightful that when Abraham looks up and sees these three strangers, he responds by leaving his tent, leaving his tree, and hurrying towards these strangers to meet them. And, and it's only interesting because that's not how most of us would, would be. Most of us would sneak back into our tent. Sarah, shh, be quiet. Maybe they'll go away. We're not home. But that's not Abraham. He moves closer. Now, now you say the visitors are the Lord. So maybe Abraham just knew who it was. You're not supposed to hide or run away from God. That, that never works out very well for anyone. Uh, so maybe he just knew who it was. And while you're right, it was the Lord. I think the narrator is telling us who these visitors are. I'm not quite so sure that Abraham knows who they are just yet. In other words, this seems to simply be Abraham's response to strangers. When there are strangers, Abraham moves towards. In some ways, this seems so simple, so, so easy. The lesson here in this point is, is a simple one. Just, just move towards strangers. It's easy. We can do that. I can do that. I can move toward a stranger until I remember who the stranger is, until I remember what we're talking about here. Because let's remember all of the various people that we have now made into strangers. Because, of course, in other times, strangers were simply travelers or foreigners, maybe merchants or something, maybe beggars, and everyone else was simply part of your community. Everyone else was known. You would know everyone who lives around you and everyone who lives around them and everyone who lives around that. You just know all those people. And so the stranger is some, simply someone who's not from around here. But something has changed since that way of living. Now we've made strangers of those who are different, those who are distant, those who are strange. In other words, nowadays, strangers are people who you disagree with, people who you don't like, people who you look down on, people who you don't understand, which means that we've made strangers of most people now, which is why I find it particularly challenging that Abraham moves towards the stranger, because we are the kind of people who move away, or at least hope that the stranger moves away. But I wonder how our lives and our communities would look different if we became the kind of people who didn't run away or chase away, but instead moved towards the stranger. Of course, that's the easy part. The next part is harder. Because Abraham doesn't just hurry towards them, he also honors them. He bows down before them, which is strange. Now, obviously, Abraham lived in a different culture than we do. We aren't much of a bowing culture. But even then, we still understand a little bit about what it means. Abraham is lifting these strangers higher. He's humbling himself before them. And in many ways, he's becoming more vulnerable. 
which frankly gives us a little bit of insight into how Abraham views the world. His view of the stranger is a barometer for his beliefs, which means he seems to have some faith that it's going to be okay, that these strangers won't take advantage of him, that God is still even now with him. Because let's face it, it would take a, a little bit of courage to bow down to these three strangers when you already are feeling like a stranger. That being said, while bowing or showing honor is a culturally strange thing to do today, I still find Abraham's posture in all of this fascinating and challenging and instructive. Because, of course, what if we could be the kind of people who honored others? And not just the people we already give honor to. What if we could honor the strangers among us and around us and distant from us? What if we were the type of people who, even though we disagree, we still listen and respect and genuinely want to get to know and learn from those from whom we, we disagree? What if we could honor people like that? What if we were the type of people who, even though we are different, we still could somehow assume the best of the other? What if we could honor people like that? What if we were the type of people who, even though we don't know or understand someone else, we still work to get to know them and see the world through their point of view? What if we could honor people like that? What if we could be the type of people who honor even the stranger? Abraham looks up. He sees three strangers in the distance. He hurries towards those strangers. He bows down before them, and he introduces himself as their servant. Which brings us to the last point. Because he then really does serve them. Abraham extends unbelievable, extravagant service towards these strangers. He invites them in. He offers them water for washing, an area for resting, and food for refreshing. And again, none of this is required. And yet Abraham goes over the top. Remember, all of this is taking place in the, in the heat of the day. Not a good time to be out walking. So who are these strangers, really? And can I really, do I have to really go through all the fuss of getting all this stuff ready for these strangers? It's in the heat of the day. This is nap time. It's siesta time. And Abraham brings them water, not just for drinking, but for washing their feet. That's a nice touch. But then he also invites them into his seats. Come sit under this same tree. Then he offers them a small morsel to eat. And this is where Abraham's hospitality just goes into overdrive. He has Sarah whip up a few loaves of fresh bread. And don't use the flour that we normally use. Use the good stuff for them. The finest of flour. Then runs and selects a tender calf. Gives it to a servant to butcher and then finally to cook. Then he brings some curds and milk. Think yogurt. And he brings all of this before them to enjoy as he waits on their every need. What a slow and sumptuous, not to mention costly and generous offering. 
That being said, there's something still to notice here. You'll notice that Abraham still doesn't know who these guys are. You'll notice he still hasn't asked them their names. You'll notice he still hasn't asked what they're about, what their business is. For all he knows, these guys are just trying to sell something or, or maybe raise some funds for a fundraiser. Or it's actually just a neighbor's kid. He's looking for his ball. He hit it over the fence. Is it just, could you, uh, and, and that, that's all I was going to say. But now that you've laid this meal in front of me, well, shoot, I'll, I mean, this is fantastic. But I just need, could you just run, have a, uh, Ishmael run around and grab the ball? That's all I actually came here for. In other words, this could be nothing. And yet Abraham makes it so much more. They are sitting at an oasis being served a multi-course meal. And all they did was show up. All that to say, in this lavish hospitality, hurrying and the honoring and the helping, you see something start to happen. Because these strangers start to be changed from strangers into guests. Something about how Abraham blesses these strangers brings them in and brings them closer. Which begs the questions. As we start to think about even just viewing strangers differently, could we move a little closer? I'm not saying we should run to strangers yet. That's, we'll get there later. But... but Here's the question for us today. Could we even just like make eye contact with strangers instead of hiding just in our phones? Like, could that even just be an option? Uh, don't move actually closer to them. That would be weird so far. But, but could we just like look up and smile? That might be a good, hard challenge for this next week. Could we move toward people just that way? Could we honor others just a little bit more? Simply by, can I think a better thought about the people that I don't have any good thoughts for? The person driving in front of you, really slowly, when you're in a rush, could I think a good thought about them instead of all the other thoughts that I think? When you're waiting in line and someone's clearly taking their time and you're not, could I think a good thought of them? When you're watching TV and, and you hear about some group here, there, or somewhere, and, and you're about to start grumbling and growling, and instead, could you, could you honor them by thinking something better about them? And maybe could we even find a way to serve? Could we serve someone just a little bit different from us? Again, I'm not saying we start with a big lavish meal. That's weird. But could we do something for someone just because? Well, actually, it's not just because. It's just because that's what Jesus has done for us. Could we do that for someone else? Let's pray. Lord God, we thank you for Abraham. We thank you for his example. We thank you that even though he was a stranger, he still welcomed in the stranger. 
Lord, we like to tell ourselves that our world is much different from that, and, and strangers are different now. They're, they're scarier now. They're more dangerous now. And I don't know that that's true because we're always a little bit scared of the other, of the unknown. And so we ask that you would continue to do some work in our hearts, softening us. Help us move just a little closer to those who are distant. Help us honor the person who's a little bit strange. Help us serve someone who is the other. And as that happens, help us be changed. Lord, we thank you that the reason we can do that, the reason we might do that is because that's what you've done to us. You moved toward us in Jesus. You honored us as Jesus died on a cross. And you continue to serve, even though you are God. Lord, you have welcomed us in as strangers. Help us be the people who welcome others in. We pray these things in the strong name of Jesus the Christ. Amen.